Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I spoke with Constance Whitman. Uh, Constance is an actor and now director. Her uh, stage directing debut, uh, The Mercy Seat, is at the Players' Ring in Portsmouth through April 8th. So you have one more weekend to check it out when you're hearing this. So, um, yeah, this episode, uh, like every episode this season, brought to you by Dapper Ties. If you go to their website, wearedappertize.com, they have a wide selection of different ties, um, all sorts of different patterns, colors, really high-quality stuff. Um, if you purchase something on when you go to checkout, if you put in promo code TRUTH, you'll get free shipping in the continental United States. So, yeah, we are dappertize.com. We thank them for their sponsorship. Now enjoy my chat with Constance Whitman. Everywhere, all over the country. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I went on my uh, went on my road trip last year. Yeah, so, and uh, I don't, yeah, that looked like a lot of fun. It was. Did you go by yourself? Oh, uh, my dog went oh, with okay. me. Yeah. yeah. So ostensibly, yes, but not yeah, hundred um, percent. It was interesting. It was. I got to see a lot of people I hadn't seen in years. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because a lot of people were like, oh, did you visit this? Did you visit that? And I was like, it wasn't really a sightseeing trip. It was yeah. more to visit people. Right. It was, it was one of those things. It was, uh, in, in two cases now, it was the last time I saw people because my, my uncle just passed away somewhere this week. I know, I'm week. so sorry. Like, it was, uh, but I got, to, I got to spend some time with him uh, and that was the last week of my trip. It was probably like within the last like four days of my trip. Yeah. It was interesting because um, he and I were very different politically. Um, I mean, I have very fond memories when I was a little kid growing up yeah. with him, and then, um, but and I just told my mom this the other day, um, you know, because I was mailing postcards to people on my trip, right? And I needed to that particular day. I needed to buy some postage, and we were all going out to breakfast before I headed out, and. He worked for the post office, and we—he's like, I know this place up the road that um, it was like a gas station, but mm-hmm. it had a, a postal counter. In it. Mm-hmm. And we started talking to the guy, and, and you know, so I went to—we told him what we needed for postage, and he's, the guy's getting it, and he's like, "Let me take care of this." And I was like, "Okay, thanks." He's like, "You know, I think it's a really great thing what you're doing, following you know what what drives you and passion." He's like, "You know." I don't necessarily understand it, but I think it's a it's great that you're yeah. following it. Which was very at least my experience with him was fairly out of character, but it, it, it you know it meant a lot. And then yeah. uh, you know when I left, I gave him a hug, which he was not a, a hugger. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, but I did have a weird sort of sense when I was leaving. I was like, I wonder if that might be the last time I see. Him. I mean, because it had been several years. Was since he I'd sick? Seen. No. 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 I mean, all my... So he's my my father's younger brother, and then my aunt is between them, and uh, 
I, my aunt lived with me up until recently. And it was yeah. Just, you know, he had a heart attack very suddenly. Oh, my God. First day on a cruise ship. So, and his wife and his son, my cousin, were with him. So, not only having to deal with, you know, losing their husband and father, but having to deal with the logistics of setting up to have a, a body That's removed. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, so, and then there's, and we're still kind of, like, trying to figure out service-wise and stuff, so. That's terrible. Mm, yeah, I was like, I, I, I don't even know how, uh, I don't even know how my cousin's, cousin's dealing with it. Yeah. So, uh, I think this is the first one where I've been eating on it, so. You're, you're, you're good. You do you. <laughs> so, if any of the listeners are like, why does it sound like his mouth is full? It's because my because mouth is Because it is. Full. Yeah. Tofu. Um, do you want to talk about that? Oh, my that tattoo? Now? Yeah, yeah. So, so that, sure. That, um, that was your... Uh, it's my first tattoo. First tattoo, which you got um, fairly recent. I did, the day after Christmas. Yeah. So, basically, I... I don't know. I always kind of wanted one, but then I was like, oh, do I really want one? Or do I want to be that person that doesn't have any? Right. And... Um, and when I was in Ireland a couple of years ago, I was just looking through Pinterest and looking yeah. at like, you know, things that, cause my mom is Irish okay. and, um, like right off the boat, yeah. all her family lives there. And I go there usually every two years. I try to go every year, but we ha- we were there because my uncle had passed away and, uh, so I was looking through some things and I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm on the cusp of Leo Virgo, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do the typical sure. Leo Virgo signs. Sure. And then I was like, I don't even know if I want to do a star sign. Right. You know, what do I do? And um, I was looking through, and I put in, like, Celtic star signs or something. I don't even know. And this came up. And so this is an ancient Celtic Ogam symbol. Mm. So back in the day, they used this type of um, symbolism to for their alphabet. So okay. this is actually the letter C or the letter K okay. in their alphabet. And it also is for the star sign, which would be for me but they do it from like august 5th to september 21st yeah and this is for the hazel tree which is the tree of knowledge okay and the tree that um guards the underworld the magic world not yeah. the dark world but right, like right. you know so sort i was like, like a hidden world yeah so i yeah. was like that's pretty cool that's really so cool. i had it on my phone for a while and then i was like okay you know what i'm gonna get it done and typically if i set my mind to something i i want it done like immediately right I don't have the patience really to wait sometimes. So on, on the day after Christmas, I, a friend of mine that works with me, we went to Flatbread. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go to Ironworks. Right. But they weren't open. And I right. was like, why are they not open? It's a Tuesday. It right. says Tuesday through Saturday. Right. What's happening? And that's when I reached out to you and I was like, hey, what do you recommend? And because I had been to Hobo before, but it looks really seedy. And I was like, I'm not really sure. And then I didn't know about the other one that you had told me about in Portsmouth. Um, that was uh, uh, Grim North. Yes. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really know. So then um, I was Googling places, which, I mean, for your right. first tattoo, that's pr- pretty crazy, right? Well. And I, I saw the Three Monkeys place in Newmarket. So I was like, all right, I'll go there. It's run by women. That'll be great. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, oh, but don't get it done if it's this person. Right. And, of course, it was that person. And I was like, well, how bad can it be? Like, if, sure. if she fuck up, fucks up some lines, right. like... I'll just choke her to death in the store. No, just kidding. I wouldn't. Well, no, but and it she, came out um, really well. She did a really, really good job, and honestly, it didn't even hurt. Yeah. It, it felt like, like a slight burn, mm-hmm. and then it healed really nicely. It didn't get red or swollen. Yeah. And then it itched for, like, maybe two days. Yeah. And I was, like, obviously putting cream on it and stuff like that, 
but I forget sometimes that I have it. Yeah. So I'll be doing stuff, and then I'm like, oh, right. I have a tattoo. For those for those listening, so it's on Constance's uh, left uh, wrist on the underside, kind yep. of like maybe like an inch below the heel of your hand, which is, and it looks fantastic. And I'm not just saying that Thank because you. you're here, but that's a tricky spot to have come she out. She did a right? great job. Yeah. 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 Well, and the hands are such a such a weird thing. So, like, I don't know if you can see on, on my right hand where mm-hmm. it's all, like, broken up. Mm-hmm. That's just because how it heals. But right. that looked like that two weeks after I got that done. I'm showing her the heel of my left hand. Yeah. And it was bright, vibrant. And it has nothing to do with how, it's just how you the heal. artist did it, which yeah. is why a lot of artists won't, won't do hands yeah. at all. It's basically, it's protocol, or at least it was for years any good tattoo artist, if you have a tattoo that needs to be touched up, they'll do it for free. It's yeah. sort of, but it's also sort of with the understanding of, like, you don't just come in and be like, hey, touch this up. Like, if you're getting something else done, and right, right, right. And, and I have several artists that I've gone to multiple times where yeah. like, when I'm getting a tattoo, they're like, do you have anything that needs to be touched up? Oh, that's Pitch- cool. Yeah. Particularly. Well, she offered, she was like, look, when it heals, it might not be this, because I actually wasn't expecting it to be this black. Right. And a lot of people were like, did that hurt? That's a lot of black. And I was like, no. But she, when she gave me her card, she was like, if it fades and you don't like it. But I actually like it. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a little bit faded, but, like, I don't care. It really doesn't yeah. look that faded good. at all. But, I mean, you're also fair-skinned, which yeah. black translucent. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm very pale myself, yeah. too. So, I mean, you know, you, we could... We, we could hold four arms up and you know compare who's more pale but yeah. you know yeah. um, it's funny because I've had a couple people ask me about tattoos in particular with first tattoos I try and I, I'm a little bit more specific about what I tell them um, because it is your first experience right. and if you have a bad experience with your first tattoo I yeah I can't imagine you're it's probably going to be your only tattoo. Right. So, um, and it was funny because I have, a, we have a mutual friend who reached out to me who he wanted to get a tattoo with, he and his eldest daughter were going to get tattoos. Oh, the same okay. Day. And I'm sure I know you probably know who I'm talking about. <laughs> we won't um, name names now for the sake of. Well, I've gotten in trouble for talking about him on the podcast before. <laughs> so, but anyway, I, I suggested, uh, Stina, who runs Grim North Tattoo, yeah. uh, particularly because he's taking his daughter, right? And you know, and and nothing against tattoo shops that I've gone to in here, but it is still primarily a male-driven right. thing, and uh, there's a tendency from some tattoo artists to be particularly indelicate, mm-hmm. and. Um, basically, I, I knew it was going to be the first tattoo for both of them. And I was like, we want to have a positive experience. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't sure where his daughter was thinking about putting it, but it was, he told me a couple different places, but it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like a completely intimate spot, but it was also not something that, right. you know, you'd want some discretion to. Right. And I also figured both he and her would probably be more comfortable right. with a competent female artist right so um but it was it was one of those things that he wanted to go like that like not not that day but it was like a couple days before and i was like you have to email them this is he was like i tried calling a bunch of times i was like 
you, you, yeah. you got to email. Yeah. That's how they communicate. I mean, I got lucky because so, yeah. I pretty much called them, and I think they opened the shop for me. I don't think they had appointments that day. I got you. Um, because it was the day after Christmas. <laughs> I, again, sometimes when I have my mindset, yeah. and I said to my friend, I was like, if we don't get it today, I'm, I'm probably not going to get it. Right. So it's either today or it doesn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, it was really funny. So, But she, she did a great job, and, I mean... It was nice in there, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Any plans for a second one yet? <laughs> Possibly. We'll see what happens after the Boston Marathon. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. God. <laughs> if you want to. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I work for John Hancock, mm-hmm. and you, you can put your name in for a lottery to be picked to run it. Yeah. Um, I I've run two New York City marathons, but. The last time I ran a marathon was in 2005. I've done a bunch of halves, and I've been running. You know, that's right. pretty much what I do. Um, so I put my name in for the lottery, and I didn't get picked right away. I got put on the wait list. Yeah. So then, what happens is you people drop out going, you know, as they go along, and mm-hmm. for, for a number of reasons, whatever. Um, you have to pay an entry fee, which yeah. they don't help you pay for. That was four hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. And then you have to raise $2,500 for a charity that you choose. If you don't raise the money, you have to pay the money. So that's why I keep posting on my Facebook page sure. because I'm like, um, hi, it's not for me, but right. I'm the one running the 26.2 miles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got picked and I I was like, okay, do I want to add this to my schedule? Because I'm, my schedule is pretty packed. Right. Um, but I thought it, it's probably the only time that I'm going to enter sure. and do it. So I might as well do might it now. Well do it. Yeah. So, so are you still raising funds? For yes, it? I What's still have um, like I still have about nine hundred dollars that I have to raise. So what's the website if someone wants to go? Oh, so it is. Um, is let there me, a long URL that you've got? It isn't, but let me just look it up. Yeah, for sure. It's basically. Um, let's see here. I, I know it's CrowdRise, and then it's my um, my name and like the number twenty three because that's the day I was born twenty twenty three August twenty third. Let's see here. I know I posted it the other day because I was like, "Hey, just ran a twenty mile race. Anybody want to donate?" Right. Um, So let me just find it here. Sure. It's coming up. Slow internet here at the White Heron. But it's free internet, so... That's free. That's true. It, and then we love it here. Um, so, let's see here. I'm just going to see if it copies. No problem. And I, I can certainly put such a, twit. a link oh, to Oh, okay. It so, it would be um, the typical HTTPS, right. you know, backslashes, www.crowdrise.com slash Constance Whitman 23. Okay. So. And that's Whitman. W I T M A N. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be awesome because it's for the Boys and Girls Club, which yeah. is a really good club, and you know they've helped a lot of. I mean, they've been around for a long time. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Um, they do a lot of good things. So yeah. So um, on Sunday I ran the Eastern States race. Yeah. Which is a twenty mile race that helps people prepare for the marathon. Right. You have to do a long run like that anyway. So um, a friend of mine from work who's also running it. We went up, it starts in Kittery, mm-hmm. goes through Portsmouth, then goes um, through um, Ryan, Hampton, yeah. Northampton, 
and then um, Seabrook and Salisbury. So you, nice. you end up going through three different states, basically. Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. and um, we did it in three hours and 29 minutes, which is pretty good. Nice. Yeah. So we just have, like, the next, add the 6.2 onto that. So right. hopefully we'll do it, the marathon under five, which is what I would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. How did it feel doing the 20 miles? It felt really good. Um, around my, like, when we did the first 10, they had a split so you, they could do your split times for you. Mm. We went over the, the thing that tallies it up for you, and um, my friend was like, oh, we just ran 10 miles. And I was like, we did? Because we've been training. So, you know, sure. at a certain point, you start to feel really good. And then around mile 15, which doesn't typically happen to me, I start to get, like, really tight hip flexors. And I was mm. like, I don't think I can finish it. Like, I'm, mm. I'm a little concerned because... But then she was like, I have to go to the bathroom. So I was like, oh, my God, great. I'll stop and I'll stretch my hip flexors and my quads, which that's all I needed was just a stretch. So, um, and then around mile 19, I was like, I can't, I can't do any more because I, the longest I had done before that was 16 and she had done 18. Yeah. And she was like, no, we have one more mile. Let's go. And I was like, and then, and then I was fine. Yeah. Like, so yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think it's important. Um, if you're going to run a race or train for a big race like that, if you run with somebody, it Mm. really helps. I've done all the training by myself. Yeah. So um, when we finished this race on Sunday, I was like, I know we're both going down to Boston together, but do you want to just run Boston together? Because yeah. I think we could cheer each other on. Yeah, and like, for sure. Yeah. And I didn't listen to music, which I always listen to music, until um, mile 16 I put my music on, but really lightly in case my friend wanted to talk to me. Sure. And, you know, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was sore Sunday night, which I came home, showered, and then went to an audition for hack attack so yeah. we'll see how that goes yeah um crawled into there <laughs> and i was a little bit sore but then um pretty much i feel pretty good and i've, I've been doing some other training not mm-hmm. just running so i read that if you do stuff and move around you don't get as stiff sure so but i'm i'm tired this week like, i bet i'm like okay well a little I bit mean, tired you just had a show that you directed um the mercy seat yes open. Yes, yeah. right after Equus that I was in. Yeah. 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 Which was right after Gilligan's that I was in, right. which was right after Christmas Carol. Right. Which was right after Extremities. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're just, <laughs> you're you're one of the people that's, I, um, because I've seen you in a few things, but it's pretty, I mean, we've known each other tangentially for a while, right. and you're someone who I feel like is almost always in a show or in production for a show yeah. and it's someone that you know just is working all the time yeah like I, I, I know I'm tipping wood right now because yeah. I'm really fortunate mm-hmm. and and the group of people that I don't know it's just been a really great every group's a little bit different and yeah. some of the people you know will go with you like Jordan was the stage manager Jordan Formicelli yep naming names sorry um, we've tried to be good about that lately but uh, she was my stage manager for Extremities and then she um was stage manager for Christmas Carol mm. and then she was in Equus with me as well and she'll be in Titus Andronicus with me and she's just I love her yeah. she's so much fun so it's it's kind of cool and then Josh Moore has been in the, a couple of shows with me too yeah. so it's really cool to sort of travel as a group even though you're not a group and you're not a clique like mm. everybody kind of works everywhere which is really nice but um, in the last couple of shows that I've done everybody has been just amazing there hasn't mm-hmm. been one person who's like 
you know, a diva or thinks they're better than anybody right. else. And, and we've just been like laughing the whole time and just having a good time. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, this isn't the first show that you've directed. It is the first show that I've directed. Yes. Is it the first show you've directed? Period. Um. Yes. Technically, yes. I mean, I directed a couple of like scenes in in college when mm-hmm. I went to acting college, but um, I would say yeah, it's the first yeah. show I've directed. Yeah. How was it? It was good. It yeah. was. Uh, I really enjoy it. So, nice. you know, the script. Sorry, Neil LeBute, but who wrote the play? Right. Um, it's. It's not the best written play. I mean, it's not a play that is going to change your life, yeah. you know? But it's um, it's really a play about humans yeah. and about, you know, making choices as a human being, whether they're right or wrong, whether someone else thinks they're right or wrong, and, you know, just being firm in mm. that choice. And it's also making a choice in the face of a tragic event. Sure. So yeah, because it's because framed around framed September around, 11th. Yes, yes. So it's basically about these two characters, Abby and Ben, who um, they've been having an affair. And I don't want to give it all away, so I'll just say they've been having an sure. affair. And 9-11 happens, and they have a decision to make. And it's sort of... I feel like if you direct the play... I mean, you could direct it any way you want, you know, as a director. or I, don't, I never saw it on Broadway. I've, I've never seen it done. So I think that if you don't pay attention to the um, undertones mm. of the play, that it could just be a 90-minute argument. Sure. And that's what I would try to really hard to stay away from. I mean, there's going to be some moments, you know, I feel like it goes like this in waves. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to really focus on the intimacy of the piece and how human beings... Like, if you're in a relationship with someone, you know, you might have a little bit of a, like, oh, uh, tiff or whatever, but then, you know, two seconds later, you're cuddling on the couch and you're watching right. Netflix and ordering pizza right. or whatever you want to do. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you start talking about something and it sort of sparks, like, oh, well, what are you talking about? Well, what do you mean? Well, it, so it's almost sort of about how human beings, we, we never really understand each other at all. Like, we're always miscommunicating. Sure. You know, or we're always taking a certain tone a different way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was really interesting. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Yeah. Is it just so? Is it just just two actors? Then? Yeah. So it's um, Morgan Gavilette, Slay Montaigne, and E. Christopher Clark, uh, and then Michelle Bluen is my stage manager. And her and I are like the two old guys on the Muppets. <laughs> like we are just that's who we are. Statler and Waldorf. Yes. 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 So and uh, yeah, just really great people. Um, we didn't have a lot of rehearsals because my schedule was just too crazy because I'm also in school so um, that'll be done I have one more class after the one that I'm taking and then I'm done with that so um, what are you going to school for? communications finishing my BA um, at SNU it's a funny name of a college right? so and then I have also rehearsals for The Graduate and then Titus Andronicus and then Three Penny Opera. It's crazy. But I love it. So... I like to be busy. Is Graduate the next time you're on stage? Yes. Okay. And when's... That's... That opens May 4th. Okay. At the Players' Room. Todd's directing you. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, um... Uh, uh, Tomer is in it. And I... Who's the actress who, who's playing the daughter? Um, Emily Carell. I don't know. Anything. Yeah. Last time I was on stage was... I was in a show with Tomer. So, yeah. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you're you're playing. I'm playing Mrs. Mrs. Robinson, Robinson, of course. Yeah, yeah, the old broad, of course. Yeah, right. whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but the directing of Mercy Seat was really um, interesting, I think. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I know some of Neil LeBute's stuff. I, I'm not familiar with that one. How, how old is the piece? Um, I'm not really sure. I know that um, Sigourney Weaver and Liv Schreiber did it. Okay. I know they did it off-Broadway. Okay. I don't think it ever made it to Broadway. And I know there's a re revised version of it, which yeah. is the one that we're doing. Probably, I mean, I'm not a writer, so, but probably could be tweaked just a tiny sure. bit. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, it's it's good. I think you know people who have come to see it really are liking it. Yeah. Because it has a sense of like, okay, well, what happens next? Yeah. Okay, well, what's going to go on? Yeah. Like, so yeah, I feel like it's good. And we we just were in Broadway World, New Hampshire or New England. So right. I'm like, right. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so you so you have another weekend this coming weekend, and then the last weekend is what the uh, April eighth, I think, or seventh, sixth, seventh, and eighth, something like that. Let's see here. I think so, I'm, I'm going to look at my calendar. I hope I'm not catching on the... Uh, yeah, the, the 8th will be the last day. So we have, um, this Friday we have a show, and then Saturday we have a matinee and a night show because we don't have a show on Easter Sunday. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. and then next weekend, um, which we, which is the 6th, 7th, and 8th, it resumes as normal. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, so this should be up before the show closes, so uh, if you're listening to this, cool. go check it out on the, on the closing weekend at the... Players Ring in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. PlayersRing.org. Yeah. Ring. Yes. For the info. Yeah. Um, Cheap tickets. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I'm trying to think before I make a definitive statement, but I'm pretty sure that's the only stage around here that I've acted on, at least at least in my adult life. But it's such a great space. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I've been working there for like 14 years now. Yeah. And it's just... And people don't realize, they walk in and they're like, oh, this is so great, it's so intimate, like, you could do so much with it. I mean, we built a submarine one time, Jackie Benson wrote, yeah. Crushed Up, yeah. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Um, was, uh, and the whole place was just a submarine. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm trying to remember timeline-wise, I don't remember if that's when I was living with Jackie or not, because Jackie and I lived together for 2009? I think it was, like, right after I had moved to Arizona. Okay. Because yeah, I lived with Jackie previous to yeah. moving to Arizona. Yeah. But, and she had she'd done a lot of stage work at that point. She yeah. had done the um, she had done she had written interference before that. Yeah, I heard about that. I didn't see that but and and she's great though. Yeah. I feel like we're name dropping a little bit here but like Oh I name drop all the time. Oh yeah. This is but cool. she's great. Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. I'm waiting for the sequel. So Jackie if you're listening, I'm waiting for the sequel so I can be Doctor Enright again. <laughs> on the submarine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had Jackie on here uh, a little less than a year ago. Um, for her book? For her book. Smoke it was, Hunter? Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> Shameless book. No, no shame. Uh, it was interesting because when I started doing this podcast, I actually had like a false start. I recorded two episodes before I had this recorder and I was just doing it on my iPhone. Oh, neat. And then my iPhone died and I lost the, like, and I was basically getting ready to put them up. So, yeah. but Jackie was one of my guinea pigs. In fact, she was the very first one. Yeah. So once I started doing this and actually putting it up, I was like, all right, we have to do it again. And when we had done it the first time, it was right after the Smoke Hunter had come out. Yeah. So the second time we did it, it had been out, I think maybe nine months or something like that. Yeah. She was, I'm trying to remember if, her second child had been 
I don't think her second child had been born when we did the first one, and then he had been when we did, when when we did, did the, second the second one. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah she, I, don't, I don't think she's done anything theater-wise in a while, so. Yeah. She should. Yeah, I've been. She I, was in Wit with me yeah. when we did Wit together. When was that? Oh, gosh, I want to say 2012. Yes. Yeah. Because I did that after Streetcar. Yeah. And Streetcar was 2010 11. Um, and then we did that one, which, I mean, I have so many. Everyone's always like, what's your favorite? What would you play again? And I. Yeah. I always say Blanche, which is true. I would absolutely play Blanche Dubois again yeah. because she was just phenomenal. But honestly, I can't really choose because I've been really fortunate to play some amazing roles. Sure, sure. Um, a lot at the players' ring. Right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, fortunate is part of it, but you're also a very talented actor. So, <laughs> this, I don't think people would be casting you. If blushing, you were... <laughs> blushing. No, it's uh, true. I mean, I've seen you on stage well, quite a I few mean, times. You know, so. I just try to do my best. That's yeah. what you can do, right? That's all you can do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. Uh, I mean, it's something you're definitely gifted at. So, you know. I, I try not to talk to hacks on this, thank, this thank podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know. <laughs> Compliments and I, I don't know what to do with them. Yeah. So. It's funny. Usually the, my experience has been usually the more, more talented, more creative a soul is, the more difficult it is for them to, to deal with compliments so so yeah we're having an awkward moment right now if you guys could see us if this was being filmed like if i had a pillow i would hide it behind it but you know i um it's funny because i'm 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 pretty liberal with compliments all of them are genuine i never of course i never say something i don't mean as far as a compliment right sometimes i will word something specifically if i don't have something you know i could i can always find something nice to say but if i'm you know, I'm very liberal with giving them, but as far as receiving them, I'm like, ah. Oh, I know. Thanks. It's so or, awkward. Like, cause yeah. I mean, it's awesome when you get them, obviously. Right. And you, I don't know, you take them and you tuck them away. Right. And, and I feel like if you're having a rough day or, you know, or not having a rough day, you sort of like, you have them in that little data right. bank that right. is the compliment data bank. But yeah. literally, I think it's like trying to shove a, a square peg in a round hole sure. sometimes. Cause you're sure. like, I don't know how to. Like, I could give them. And right. I'm the same way. Like, if I'm telling you something, then it's genuine. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm also very opinionated, so I don't have a problem saying, like, right. what I feel about right. something. Um, which doesn't always bode well for me. But, um, what the hell, you know? Life is too short. Exactly. But, um, yeah. Compliments are weird. It's one of those things, like, it took me a long time. Because I used to be kind of jokey when someone would give me a compliment and uh, yeah me, that's what know, I would do and, and then I realized deflect with humor yeah but the deflection it's like without meaning to be can often actually be insulting to the person that because it's basically saying well you you don't know what you're talking about right. your opinion is you know right. and which is not your intention at all right. it's just I'm awkward I don't know how to take exactly. this so I'm going to say something and deflect the attention of the conversation exactly so, yeah I've had to like force myself when I feel something like that coming up and be like sometimes it's okay to just say thank you, you know? I know but that seems so I don't know how to explain I, I that either like an asshole when I, I do too when people are like well and I'm like thank you it's yeah. like who the hell are yeah, you you feel like, like you're arrogant yeah but, yeah. And it, yeah, so it's just a weird yeah. situation but yeah. you know 
But you have, I think, as human beings, we have to learn how to do that and sure. just be like, "Thank you," yeah. because you know that's what we—that's what we should be doing. We should be building each other up, regardless of whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Like I was telling my cast, um, you know, because they were like, "Oh, I hope we're doing a good job," and you know, what if people don't? You know, the, the typical things that you think about when you're doing a show or creating yeah. art or you know, writing a book or whatever, anything creative like that, you wonder, like, what if somebody doesn't like it? What if they don't understand it? What if blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because the, what we're doing is creating art. Right. And everybody's going to have a different interpretation of it. And I was saying to um, one of the cast members the other day, I'm like, it's like a painting. If somebody looks at a painting, regardless of who it's painted by, if it's, you know, Monet or Van Gogh or um, Jackson Pollock or, you know, a local artist like yourself... <laughs> It's your interpretation of what you think about it. Sure. And it's really all down to opinion. So that's exactly what we do on stage. It's the same thing for musicians or, you know, writers, actors. Like, it doesn't... Who cares? Yeah. But I think if you're not creating it and you're just sitting at home wanting to create it, that's when you should say, okay, you know, I'm not living a genuine life. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I mean, the most freeing piece of... I wouldn't even call it advice, just, like, something that, like, I tucked away in one of the folds of my brain and have to remind myself all the time. And and I honestly, I don't even remember who said it to me originally. I've heard it a couple times since. But is what someone else thinks about you is none of your business. Because uh, ultimately, you, like, if someone thinks the worst about you, what are you, what are you going to do to change their mind? And, and, and why, you know, it's so out of your hands and it's such a waste of your time to try and change that. It's a waste of energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's just, you Because, like, if they have an opinion about you, I mean, have they spent their whole life with you? Do they know the inner workings of your right. thoughts and feelings? No. And everybody, I think, we're constantly changing. Like, I think we're innately who we are. But we're constantly changing and evolving and, you know, getting better or getting worse or trying something new or not trying something. Like, I just feel like we're sort of like the ocean in that sense, right? We're always mm-hmm. moving and, and doing new things. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I had a friend one time say to me, like, it's not your job as an artist to critique yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, how dare you? Like, but then as soon as I, like, really listened to what that person was saying, I was like, this is so true. Like, it's not my job to critique myself. Because if I'm always critiquing myself and thinking, oh, I could have done this better, I could have... that's going to come out in the work. Sure. And then whoever's watching it is going to be like, well, I don't know. You know, I didn't really like this or I didn't really right. like that. And you can't... I, I feel like when you stop worrying about what other people think of you or how you look or, you know, it's so freeing as, yeah. a, as an artist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, when I did Extremities... I had no time to worry about like, you know, how does Marjorie look in this outfit? How do, how do I, what's happening on, there was no time at all, yeah. you know? And, um, we had a, uh, we had a wardrobe malfunction on the preview night. Cause I have a, I don't, did you see it? I didn't see it. Yeah. I couldn't make it. So I was wearing a nightgown, like a silky nightgown with a robe and everything. And it never had happened before. And, um, for lack of a better word, like, I have the smallest breasts known to man on the universe. So the, the fact that, like, during the, the scene where I'm attacked, right. like, one of them fell out of the nightgown. Yeah. I was like, how is that even physically possible? Like, the law of physics. Right. Whoa. Like, 
so you know after that I got some Hollywood tape and fixed that right away so that didn't happen but yeah. um, but I you know we just kept going with the scene and we didn't have a lot of people there for preview night sure. so it was fine but but I was literally like I don't have time to worry about it because we're creating a, a piece of art that is supposed to you know show how horrible a situation like this can be but sure. how somebody can sort of take their life back and you know figure things out yeah. and, and not make it so horrible mm-hmm. um yeah, so it's, I think when you stop worrying, because, you know, when you're younger, or if you have, you know, everyone has insecurities, mm-hmm. they're always worried about something, right, along the way, but I think once you stop worrying about it, and you're just like, well, I'm here to create this piece of art, right? then everyone else is along for the ride, right? and and no one is, like, judging, Sure. you know, they might have a different opinion, right. but the judgment sort of goes out the window. Cool, and you participating in creating the art what you're going to take away from the experience is going to be totally different than someone who's viewing. And that's, that's fine. I mean, that's how art works. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get the same thing. I mean, because so much of it, you know, acting on stage is very much a collaborative Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I mean, just, you know, through the larger group of people that we all know, you know, you you built relationships with a lot of people that you've acted mm-hmm. with, and that there's no way anyone coming to see one of your shows is going to get that experience, and that's okay. Right. They're getting something totally different. Right. So, I think it's the same for like it. It definitely is collaborative, and it's definitely about listening, which some people don't think about sometimes when they're acting. Yeah. You know, you're just thinking about oh, what's my next line, but really, if you just stop and listen. And you have eye contact with somebody, if that's what the scene calls for, yeah. you know, um, you can do a much better job yeah. than than just worrying about your own lines and you know things like that. Yeah. But I think even as an actor, my experience in a show will be completely different as another actor in a show. Mm-hmm. We might have the same, you know, we want the same outcome, but what that person feels or doesn't feel, it's also different. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, that's one of the that's one of the yeah. great things. I mean. You know, this podcast, I primarily talk to artists, and I use that in the broadest sense, you know, mm-hmm. visual artists, mm-hmm. musicians, actors, writers, but there's no two artists who approach their art in the same way. I mean, I've, I, I've yet to meet another visual artist that approaches stuff in the exact same way that I have. Right. I mean, one of the great things about talking to them is I've been able to kind of adapt and learn and got some you know best practices from it but I also get that from talking to musicians and right to actors and you kind of can apply it that way so it's you know everyone is kind of making their art yeah in their own way yeah so you know. and that's really cool too because you can go and watch someone or see someone's process and try it yourself right and and if it works great yeah or you can say well this part of it works but this part of it didn't right you know? yeah and that's really cool too yeah yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of how, that's kind of how this podcast started for me was just, I was making on purpose time to get together with other artistic people, kind of like when you were talking about the race earlier about, you know, running with a friend and Mm -hmm. kind of cheering each other on. I, you know, I try and, try and be, do something creative, you know, either drawing or painting or writing every day it doesn't happen every right. day but it happens most days but sometimes you know I'm just not feeling any 
I'm not feeling any inspiration. And usually yeah. spending time with another creative person will kind of recharge the batteries yeah. a little bit. And and it's not even like a, hey, I'm not feeling any inspiration. Give me something to, you know, it's not, it's not overt like that, but it's usually Give just... Give me your creative juices. I think it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just... I think the natural exchange yeah. of energy. Yeah. Just well, it's, it's it's like when you watch a really good movie. Sometimes it can spark some ideas. Or I know for me, like watching a really good movie, which uh, you know I've had people say like when I'm watching a play or a movie that I look like a giant cat watching its prey, and I'm like, yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm enjoying it. Don't think I'm not enjoying it, but, but I'm also studying like sure. all of the like. I mean, recently I just watched Three Billboards. Yeah. Do you see it? Oh, I did. <laughs> I watched it twice. Yeah. And I'm going to buy it when it comes out. And then, um, I mean, that movie to me, I was like, this is this is just like, I can't get enough of it. Yeah. And when it ended, I was like, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Like, that's that's the that's the end? Yeah, it does take, for those who haven't seen it, it does take a little bit, I don't want to say a left turn, but you're like, huh, I wasn't expecting huh, it to go that's that it, way. That's exactly, yeah. huh? Yeah. It's literally like that. Um, but I was like, oh, and it was so good that I... I I rented it on Amazon. Okay. And then uh, my daughter, I was like, gee, you have to watch this movie. And so we rented it again because you only get... Like 24 hours. Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? Come on. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. It's still cheaper than going to the movies, you know. Um, And then we watched Lady Bird as well, which was also very good, but completely different. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, sometimes I'll watch a movie and I'm like, oh, you know. Or music, if I hear a song, because I write poetry. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't share it that often. Sometimes yeah. you'll see me post one or two on Facebook, mm-hmm. but um, so I'll be usually for me if I'm if I'm out running, it's when everything is like, oh, sure. I got to do this, or yeah. like, or I'll have to like stop and put it in the notes, or mm-hmm. you know, hopefully remember it by the time I get back to where I'm where I started from. And, yeah. So yeah, it's so interesting how because it doesn't happen every day. Right. I mean. You have to experience, I think, things in order to have the creative. Yeah, juices. you have to let the world seep in a little bit. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because you know, before we were recording, I was talking about working at a restaurant now, and so I do. I'm, I'm doing dishes three days a week, and I've had a couple of people kind of chime in. They're like, "Dude, I can get you a, a better job than that." I'm like, "It was actually specifically what I was looking for." I know exactly what you're going to say. Because it's basically a mindless job. And like what you were talking about, like doing a lot of this when you were running, I do a lot of my creative thinking while I'm standing washing dishes. dishes because it's it's muscle memory yeah. at this point. I mean, I washed dishes in a bunch of restaurants yeah. before, and it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's a mile from my house, yeah. so it's the complete opposite of the commute that I have to the yeah. other job. Plus, you can be silent, and you can think of, you can reflect about like all things that you mm-hmm. I mean that's a big thing for me with running too um, I also find housework or, or dishes to be really cathartic right um, because you can re- self re- you can self reflect so if you've been out with people or if you've done something yeah. or you're like oh I really want to address that with somebody or oh, I want to tell somebody something or you know you can sort of remember all of that stuff and replay it yeah. and then you have a time the time to be quiet within yourself and like stuff will just start to yeah yeah, I knew exactly thoughts. what you were going to say yeah, when you're yeah. like, so, yeah. I specifically took this job. Because that would be perfect. Like, yeah. you know, it's almost like meditation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's funny because when I was trying to get the job, I applied to several different places. And some places are like, well, I do have a dishwashing position. But with your experience, we'd love to have you. I'm like, not interested in that. And yeah. Like, really? Yeah. And I was like, it's a weird thing to tell a job. Like, I'm yeah. not looking to move up 
in yeah. this company yeah. at all. I'm like, I'm reliable, and if you give me this job, I'll be here right. on the days that you need me. I was like, I don't want any more responsibility. Right. I don't, you know. Yeah. Especially, you know, at, at, at 42, you know, they're not really expecting that. It's, you know, because usually dishwasher is the entry level. Right thing at a restaurant that someone does for maybe six months and then moves on to something else. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes people, you know, sometimes a job is just a job, you know, and it's not like you don't want to, you know, move up or be the CEO or you just want to do your job, do your thing, get a paycheck and go home. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting too, though, because it's contrast to the other job that I've had where, which is a very solitary thing. Because I, I just work in a kiosk by myself. Right, right. And so getting to be around other, like working with other people and kind of, you know, peripherally getting to know people. But also being the dishwasher, I'm kind of the, I'm in the background for a lot of people. So I've overheard a lot of stuff that I don't think people necessarily realize I'm hearing them. Right, Not right. so much that I'm eavesdropping, it's well, how, I'm, I'm what, four feet from you. I mean... What else are you going to do? You yeah. have ears, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But it's helping me with, because uh, I've, been, I've been working on this screenplay for, for, for years now, but it's yeah. helping me kind of make a couple of the characters a little more well-rounded. Yeah. Because uh, I'm like, well, these characters are very different than me, and then kind of my, my peer group that I interact with most of the yeah. time. But I'm getting a good sense of that, you know, particularly. The, I think that's great, because yeah. you, can, you can hear stuff and get ideas and, like, sort of like understand how other people work and how they tick but without without divulging it really to anybody right even if you're using it for some of your screenplay stuff you know you're obviously going to be discreet about it right and, and changing gonna, it enough yeah, right yeah, exactly for sure. but I mean that's that's life like yeah I mean I mean I I think most most fiction at least most good fiction is probably 80% cribbed from real life anyways so you know, I would agree with that. Yeah, you change it enough. And what, during Mercy Seat on um, Saturday, I went to the Friday show and the Saturday show. I yeah. didn't make it to the Sunday show because I was running the 20 miles. But right. um, Slacker. I know. I'm sorry. But after the, during intermission, was it during intermission or was it after? I don't remember. But one of the audience members, it was after. He turned to me. He didn't know I was the director because I'm, I'm not like announcing that I'm just sitting there sure. watching the show. Right. And he turned to me and he goes, do you think somebody actually did this? Do you think that they actually tried to, like, do this in the wake of this tragedy? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. I said, but it's quite possible that, that if somebody didn't do it, they thought about it and they expressed it to someone who, sure. who expressed it to Neil, who wrote about it. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I think in that type of a tragedy that happened, people, you know, I'm sure they thought about all kinds of different things. And, sure. And, and, you know, ways of figuring out the rest of their life, possibly, you know. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, and I think, you know, from my limited experience with other of Neil Butte's works, he's really good at writing. Realism. Realism and the sort of the, the darker side of human nature. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who was it? Uh, In the Company of Men, I think, was his first film. Yeah. And, uh been years since I've seen it. I'd seen it several times and I yeah. remember in my late 20s thinking and it was it was an amazing film and part of me wants to revisit it, part of me doesn't just because I know it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty scathing portrait of uh, you know privileged male uh, I don't even want to say I don't think I've ever seen it actually it's, it's 
dark. Yeah. It's really dark. And especially given everything that's happened in the media in the last year, it's very, it's very relevant to that. Uh, And then he did... uh, Do a re-release. Yeah. He did a film called Your Friends and Neighbors, too. Oh, Um, I think I've heard of that. I don't think I've seen that. I might have. It's it's interesting because none of it... I think it's six main characters, three men, three women, and their relationships. I mean, it's two couples and then two single people but mm-hmm. you know and there's infidelity amongst right, them right obviously and, yeah. and none of the characters are named um, oh neat uh, and it's funny because in the credits afterwards it's like Barry Carrie Larry Mary but you don't hear it but, during but, the show yeah and none That's of them refer to that way yeah. but it's all kind of like they're all sort of horrible people in yeah, their yeah. own right but also they're all very human in their right. own right exactly. too so. exactly well that's that's the that's mercy seat yeah so like um when E. Christopher came in to play Ben, he said to me in one of the first uh, rehearsals that we had, he's like, I, I hate Ben. He's a horrible person. Right. And I was like, no, no, you don't. Right. I said, Ben is a human being who made a choice, and that choice isn't necessarily right or wrong, yeah. but that doesn't make him an evil person. Right. Like, he's, I, you know, so we had a big discussion about that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, I turned him around to enjoying to play you know sure. playing Ben yeah, yeah I think that was some broken English there I don't know what's <laughs> happening <laughs> um, but yeah so it's very interesting how how as an actor when you first read a character that you've been asked to play sometimes you're like nope don't yep. like this person you, you have to you have to find something redeemable about them um, I also think you have to find something that you connect with sure you don't necessarily have to be like that person or I mean I kind of think that everybody sort of has something inside them that relates to the characters that they play. Sure. Because I, I think that's that's just my opinion. It's just an opinion. Um, but if you don't like them or you're not relatable to them, you can't play them. Yeah, it's not going to be a... Or you, you can, but it might not be the best performance. Yeah, it might not be the right... performance. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. That was... Uh... When when we did tape last summer, it's uh, I don't know I don't know. If you I didn't saw get a chance to see it, but it's, I heard it was really good. It's a it's a really dark show. Yeah, uh, and it was one of the things that you know at various points, myself and Tomer and Molly were all kind of saying to each other, "You're like, why are we doing this show again?" Yeah. I mean, and I think it was an important conversation, um, but um, you know, the character that I played, there were points where I was like, I can't stand this guy, um, but. But when it really came down to it, I was like, I actually can relate to this characteristic of him and this characteristic of him. I don't like that I can relate, relate to, to it, which is part of why I'm like, I don't like this character. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. You know. I think that's like the beauty of it too, you know? Like even when you watch a movie, you're like, oh my God, this person. And then you're like, oh, but I, you right. know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. like the like the mother in, in Lady Bird. Right. I mean, she just said some horrible things. Mm-hmm. But then you realize, like, you know, being a parent is, like, one of the hardest things sure. that you do. And sometimes you say and do things that you don't mean. Or you don't realize that you've just said it or or how you say it. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, my God. And you think you're doing the right thing. And right. it's really not the right thing. And it usually stems from your own crap that you're dealing sure. with. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. At least in that movie. I'm not talking yeah. about myself because, obviously, <laughs> I'm a perfect mother. Obviously. Um, Obviously. <laughs> no. But, um, but you know, it's interesting to watch those kind of humans unfold like that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. 
Lori Metcalf is great. Oh my god! And to see her in something other than what is it, Roseanne? Roseanne, yeah. I mean, and she's been in other stuff, but it was interesting because I uh, I had heard her on I think it was Mark Maron's podcast, and she had been it had been like fourteen years since she had last done a film, which is why I was I was I mean I was fine with. Uh, um, Alice and Janney? Yeah, Alice and Janney. I was going to say C.J. Craig. Um, another actress I, I she love. She's fantastic. But she works pretty consistently in right. a film. Right. And I was like... And I haven't seen I, Tanya yet, so I can't... It's, it, she was great. Um, and it's... I mean, they're different roles, but right. they're, they're, you know, different houses, same street. Right. As far as those roles go. Right. Um, but it was... She's less redeemable and less, I think, relatable than Laurie Metcalf's character. Yeah. Um, not that I necessarily think the performance was any showier than that, right. but it was, you know, it was one of those things that I was like, well, I mean, and you know, Laurie Metcalf is a, is a, primarily a stage actor. Yeah. Um, so I don't think she really necessarily cares because when they when right. she was talking to, I think it was Mark Maron, and he was like, you haven't done something in fourteen years. It's like, well, hopefully this is drama. She's like, I don't. She's like, I, I didn't pursue this. This, you know, Greta Gerwig approached me yeah. about this, yeah. and I read it and thought it was good. She's like, you know, if I see a role, and, you know, yeah, she's well, really good though. She should do more that, oh, I agree. that, that we could see. Yeah, you yeah. know, because she's really good. Um, I worked with Allison Janney on a. Um, it didn't go anywhere. It was a pilot for yeah. a, a show, like a cop type of show. Oh, really? Um, it was Allison Janney and Tom Conti. Nice. Um, and the other guy, I can't remember. I never can say his name properly. His, his first name is Peter. He was married to Jenny Garth. He was in the Twilight movies. Oh, Facinelli? I can never I say his so. name right, but he was in that too. I mean, I was just like a little court yeah. reporter. I didn't have any right. any big roles, but but I remember that, that day working with them in New York, and um, I think Tom Conti was drunk. You know, but Allison was really nice. Everybody was really nice. But yeah. it, we did the pilot, and then it just, sure. you know, whatever crashed yeah. and burned. But which is, you know, for people who are not super familiar with television pilots, that's not uncommon. Right, ninety five percent of right. all pilots made exactly don't turn into anything. exactly. Yeah. yeah, which I was like, well, whatever. Right. I know I was here, so it's fine. Right. right. But um, but yeah, I mean, I will. I want to see I Tanya. I haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely worth seeing. Yeah. yeah. And it was nice to see, uh, to finally, as, as far as my opinion, it was nice to see uh, Margot Robbie play something different. I mean, because she played um, Harley, Harley Quinn, Quinn yeah. and, and she was she was yeah. arguably one of the best parts of them. I mean, yeah. I thought Suicide Squad was a horrible film. Yeah, it wasn't. But it wasn't really her fault. And no. I mean, I, I remarked when... Uh, I saw it two summers ago, you know, when I walked out, I said, well, I haven't said this in a while, but Will Smith was the best part of that movie. Um, you know, and it was, but it was nice to see her play something that wasn't a comic book, right. you know, both or, literally or and figuratively. Or a total sex symbol all the time. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah because she's, um, Wasn't she in, um, Wolf of Wall Street? She was in yeah. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And she's been in a couple other things, but... Yeah, I mean, her role in Wolf of Wall Street, like, I had to be reminded of it. I mean, I'm I'm not a Leonardo DiCaprio fan right. either, and which, so in the last decade and a half, has made me not a super big Scorsese fan, because he loves right. using him. And, and I don't think he's a bad actor, yeah. but I don't think he's as versatile an actor as 
Scorsese probably thinks he is. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I guess to piggyback on that, like, how do we know? Right. You know, after like Gilbert Grape and a couple other things that he did that were like phenomenal, mm-hmm. he sort of got put in the same bracket. You right. know what I mean? Doing the same type of. Yeah, I. Just, I mean, I, I like him, but I, I see what you're saying about yeah. you know. And I think that's what happens a lot to actors. For sure. Who, I mean, and what do you do? Do you do you take the work and, and you know, get yourself out there and, and, you know, make money? Right. I know that I would. Anybody that's now, take, I'll take the work. Um, but or, or do you just say, oh, no, it's the same type of person and, right. and pass on it? I mean, I'm sure that if Martin Scorsese was like, hey, Constance, I want you to play this role. And then in this film, I want you to play this role. Right. And it was sort of the same. I don't think I'd be like, listen, Martin. Right. We got to talk about this. Sure, I'd probably just do it. Sure. So I feel like, how do we know? Right. And there's a lot of people that are like that. A lot of actors like that. And I, I think, you know, possibly for Margot Robbie, that could have happened to her had she not possibly, you know, done I Tanya. Right. So maybe now people will say, oh, she can she do can other do things this. because yeah. it's a certain type of actor that always seems to be placed in the same. You know what I mean? Yep. And yep. you wonder why. Yep. You know, I mean. Well, and I think a lot of it is just most of the people who make the decisions, at least for the big Hollywood films, is they've got a certain amount of tunnel vision where once they see you in something that's successful, that's how they see you from Well, they're looking for dollar signs, so they know that if they get Leo or Will Smith or, you know, any other big names, that they're going to make money. And it's like, but sometimes you look at things and I'm like, that's not the right person for this part. Sure. Why is that happening? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Or sometimes you'll see a film and you're like, they're right, but it sort of just missed the mark just a a hair. Like, we could have, you know, we could have pushed it further. But, I mean, who am I? I'm just, you know. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know a thing or two about. Yeah, but, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm pompous or like, you know, that I know more than I do. Because I'm not, that's not what I mean. But I think sometimes as an observer, someone who watches films and. Yeah you know, does a little bit of acting here and there and now some directing. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you sort of see things and you're like, oh, if we just changed it like a little yeah, little for bit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like they're they're closing up where we and are. Do they close at six? They close at six. But uh, so if you wanna just as we're wrapping up just real quickly remind us the shows that you've got coming up and where they're gonna be at. Okay, so definitely go see Mercy Seat yep. at the Players Ring. And that goes from now until April 8th. Yep. Um, and then uh, May 4th will be The Graduate, which is also at the Players' Ring. Three weekends. These are three weekends. And then after that is Titus Andronicus, which is being directed by Billy Butler. Um, is that at the Players' Ring? It's well? also at the Players' Ring. And then I will be in Three Penny Opera. I'm not sure who's directing that. Oh, yes, I am. Sorry. Oh, my God. Kelly Connors is directing that. Where's that at? And that's going to be at the Star Theater, and that's September, October. That's in Kittery, correct? Yes. Um, and then I don't know what else after that. What, you've only got three shows coming up? Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm slacking. <laughs> awesome. Well, but definitely go see Mercy Seat. Yeah. Mercy Seat. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for uh, thanks Thank for you. The time yeah, this is great. Awesome.